Poet Gary Snyder says, quote, when you go off the script of who you're supposed to be, you become who you are, end quote. Paul was groomed to be a businessman in the country club world of Portland's elite, but that was not the script for the role Hall was meant to play. So Hall left and fled to California to find the life he was waiting to live, and he found it in the mountains. The mountains saved Hall. As Hall says, being out in the mountains was saving me from myself and my sadness. It was making me feel whole and normal again. It wasn't like nature was something I liked. It was something I needed. I needed it deeply in my soul. In nature, Hall found freedom, love, hope, and soap. Hall decided he would make soap that smelled like the mountains, and he would sell it to those who longed for what he had found there. He used old-style techniques and crafted high-quality soap in the basement of his Berkeley home. He took those soaps to the farmer's market, and that was the beginning of Juniper Ridge, a now multi-million dollar company that brings places to people through sustainably harvest products like perfumes, incense, candles, and soap. Creating success as a quote-unquote hippie entrepreneur was an arduous adventure that almost ended in bankruptcy six years ago, but Hall persevered and in the end succeeded beyond anything he'd imagined. This is Hall's story from beginning to end, the story of a man who wandered off the script and became exactly who he's supposed to be. Hi, I'm Daphne Cohn, founder of the Creativity Circles Collective, and you're listening to the Creativity Habit Podcast, the practice behind the art, the story behind the artist. Today's guest is wild crafter and entrepreneur Hall Newbegin. In this conversation, some things we talk about are finding the courage to wander off the known path in order to find your own path, finding your one thing, digging deep, and making it your everything. Starting from nothing, losing nearly all you have, and then ending with a multi-million dollar business. Following your nose and always, always staying true to your soul. May it inspire you to make your thing and change your world. Welcome, Hall, to the Creativity Habit Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Daphne. It's so fun to be here. It's great. Great to have you. I start with creativity and how it showed up for you. And Mm -hmm. because of the work that you do now in the world, the way I want to start actually is if nature played a role in your childhood. It did. did. Nature has been um, such a part of my life. I'd spend my time in the woods. Like I'd spend my time... I grew up in the suburbs of Portland, like in the, you know, like the, the kind of woodsy suburbs of Portland. And so I I find these like little ravines and stuff to like hang out in, and I just like go down there and just like stay there, and it was beautiful that way. My folks are very conservative Republicans, so they're not really into this world, but um, into the hippie world. Mm-hmm. However, they did um they did manage to raise four raving liberal kids because they took us out into nature all the time. It was so beautiful that way, and so yeah. they took us out camping and stuff, and and we go we go fishing at Monon Lake and at Mount Jefferson in Oregon. That's what happened. Yeah, I ended up spending a lot of time outdoors. Well, you know, one of the things that you had said, you mentioned that Neil Young and Lou Reed were two mm-hmm. creative influences for you. They were like the first ones They're so huge, right? in your ear and tell you, go out there, you know, do the weird things. Be free, right, right. It's so true. Yeah, Neil Young and Lou Reed were both like such influential people for me. In fact, I cried so hard when Lou Reed died recently, like two years ago. I love Lou Reed deeply and he used to whisper in my ear with Walk on the Wild Side, of course, like that was the first time I knew of his and I was seventh grade. I listened to it over and over again, and 
it just kind of like destroyed me. I was just like, fuck, what the fuck is happening out there? What's happening out there that, that, that this man's talking about like all this crazy stuff. I want to know about the big world. I want to know what's happening out there. And so he whispered in my ear in that way. And then Neil Young whispered in my ear in this like freakish, like hippie way. He's like telling me to go there be a hippie freak. Just but through his very example of being himself. So and so hearing mm-hmm. that music was yeah. enough to set you off. Wow. It was indeed. It was, it was everybody knows this is nowhere, which is his second solo record. And that record just like destroyed my brain, just like fucking like wrecked me and just like I couldn't get over it. It's just so beautiful. And that record, I just couldn't stop listening to it. And it was the music itself that made me want to be like him and want to wander and find out who I was. And like Gary Snyder says, when you go off the script of who you're supposed to be, you become who you are. You know, when we wander off the path of who we're supposed to be, off the path and become and, and just start wandering in the wild, we become who we really, uh, really are. That's what that's how exactly what happened to me. So what was on script for your family? Like, had you stayed the way you were raised to be? Okay, I, I would have been a country club kid. Like, I was I was raised in this Republican kind of wealthy, upper class um, Portland thing. And I would have been like a country club kid. I would have run my dad's business. And I would have, like, become a Portland society person. And I would have, like, inhabited my parents' world, which I, I like that world fine. I was just not for me, that's all. I didn't do my own thing. Like, you're raised in this really conservative world, and it's somewhat of a... You know, upper upper class lifestyle, mm-hmm, yeah. and, and then you're called by Lou Reed and Neil Young. To like yes, that's true, right? Yeah, to go wander. How did you start to leave this world behind that you were raised to be, and find the one that you were meant to be in? I just started doing it. Like I went, to, I went to, moved to San Francisco with my band. Like California's always been that to West Coast people. It's always been this place that we can escape to and become ourselves. I think it's that to Americans and the world in general. Like it's a place where we reinvent ourselves, right? It's California is so. I moved to California and I became myself. I just like started following, following my own freak path, which was at the time had to do with like becoming more hippie-ish, learning about herbal medicine, plants, hiking, all, all things that I do with outdoors. And that, that was, that was my path. That was my own path, my own way. Like, did you know, like I'm thinking of mm-hmm. what it was where you know, we're in the environment that we're in. And it's like you say with Gary Snyder, wander off the path. Yep and you find yourself but it's right off the path that can be the tricky piece initially like right right yeah. for me it involved just disappointing my parents really like i disappointed them and who i became like i i didn't i didn't become what they wanted me to be which is hard for me or it's hard to disappoint your parents but it's who i am so it doesn't matter like it's who i am it didn't, it didn't matter at all like it's who i, I knew i had to become a person and it didn't matter what, what, what was going to happen with it so for me it's all about becoming a hippie freak but I became a freak my own way because I started my own business and did it that way, which is totally different than the way a lot of people do it. And I think I did that because, in part, because it's my parents' world. You know, like they they approved of that part of it. Uh, so the business piece met like that was kind of the bridge between. The- I think it was. I think it was. Yes, I think it was exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to get to the business in a minute. I just want to. There was no. a period uh, that you talked about where you said you were super depressed in your 20s you didn't know who you were or why you felt so it's true sad. right it's true yeah uh-huh, right okay so what was going on then and like how well i i felt so sad because my family like i had family stuff going on of course like i was super depressed and stuck all the time in these relationships that wouldn't work out and when i knew you at green gold's farm i was just kind of climbing out of that realm um it was all about i just got it was so sad daphne it's so sad i didn't know what, didn't know why i didn't know what it was it just was and um, it's 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 old it's old family and like therapy stuff. And when I started going to therapy, I started unearthing all the stuff. I was like, oh my god, all this stuff is just sitting there for me. It's just sitting down there, like waiting for me to unearth. But that was it. It's amazing because when we 
know each other. Like when we yep. met, honestly, mm-hmm. I had so much fun with you. Like I laughed <laughs> the most. That's so nice, Stephanie. It's so nice. Wow. Yeah. But it's true. And I think that's so fascinating that that was the time when you were coming out of being so uh-huh. I was. I was really fine with Heavy Groove. And then like going to Green Gold's Farm was a big deal for me because I was living on an organic farm in the middle of Northern California on a hippie Buddhist farm. And that was like a big, that was a big like coming out party for me. It was a big like stamp saying, I'm a hippie freak. That's who I am. I just, that's who I am. Okay. So you're, you're kind of in this coming out. When you mm-hmm. look back. Yep. At that time of being really sad, now can you you can take can you take it apart and go, oh, this is why I was sad? Oh, absolutely, I can. Of course, I can. Yeah, right. I sad about my, my parents and my mom is just she's a little, little bit crazy and angry, like she's a little bit messed up, and she used to throw plates in my head and stuff. So when I was a little kid, I had to deal with all this trauma, and I didn't know what it was or why it was making me so sad, but it was making me sad. And it came out later on, of course, as it always does. And then, how did you start to how heal? Yeah. Well, I got together with my ex-wife, Laura, and we were a thing, and we um, went to therapy together, and so I started going to therapy, because she made me go to therapy. Like, one, one day I got mad at her and threw a telephone against the wall, and she's like, people don't do that. You can't do that. I was like, holy shit, I can't do that? I thought it was normal. I thought it was so normal to do something like that. I didn't understand it wasn't normal at all. And so I went to therapy, and I started learning about myself, and that was the beginning of my whole, like, learning about myself. So. Yeah. Was that something that was modeled, like, anger and things like that was a part of your childhood that was yes it was yes it was yeah right right heavily right 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 right. so that was a part of the healing was actually seeing oh this is what people who are emotionally more yes right sure absolutely right absolutely it's true and what what role did nature play for you in that in terms of the healing and in right sure so nature is where i go to to heal myself like i'd just be out on the trail for hours on end and i'd spend the, the day like up in san bruno mountain or in the Mount Tamalpais, that kind of thing. I'd be out all day long, like learning about the herb, wild plants. And so I hold out there and I feel better. I just feel better. At the end of the day, I'd be like super tired and I'd wander into like, say, the, uh, like the Pelican Inn down there in Mere Beach, that kind of thing. I'd wander in there at the end of the day and just feel good. I feel good finally. I feel like normal finally. It, it, I, I didn't know what it was at the time because I was unaware of my own situation, but looking back on it, of course, I see it clearly. But I was just like tamping down my emotions. Like I was like, I was calming myself down by cleaning myself out, by exercising all day long. And being out interacting in the woods does something different to you. Like, we're animals. We see nature with our noses, okay? So when we're out there in the woods, we're having a different experience than being in the gym or something. It's not just exercise. It's like it's doing something beautiful for us in terms of the uh, plants. And the whole thing is spilling into the inside of us. It's so beautiful that way. And people always say this. Like, when people who, like, go walking in Mount Tam, say, at the end of the day, like, for a little hike instead of going to the gym, they feel different. Of course they do because we're interacting with an ancient part of ourselves. We had our noses long before we had our, you know, eyesight or, or cognition or anything it interacts with the older part of our body really it bypasses our frontal lobe and goes straight to the older part of our body so would you say for people who don't live anywhere near nature like say i live in the city and i need to connect to that part of myself right can you get that just walking in the city or oh i think you can i think you totally can yes i think just by using your nose you can like your nose is, is the primary way in which we interact with nature it's the primary uh, it's our eyes for nature really it's our eyes for our old selves and so when you use our nose like whether you're smelling food or the hot dog stands at central park whatever the fuck it is like if you're using your nose you're like experiencing nature in a deep way and and you're experiencing yourself in a deep way it's like i want some people to use your nose because so much to give you not because it's going to save the world not because it's good for anything but it's good for you it will give you pleasure it will give you great pleasure 
And you said once, which I think is important to point out, that it's not that you have some special nose. I mean, some cooks. Have- no, God, no, no, I don't. All oh, no, no, no. This this is normal human heritage stuff. This is just animal heritage stuff. We all have this. My nose is a normal nose. I do not have one of those freakish, like you know, French noses, like the, the perfume noses. Those people that can smell things from miles away. I don't have one of those noses. I don't. I have a normal nose, and I just exercise all the time. I use it all the time in regular life. So, just in exercising and using it, you begin to get better with it because you're putting more brain power towards it or something. And it just, God, it's so beautiful, Allison, or Daphne, I'm sorry. Okay. Allison, that, my real name is Daphne, and when Hall and I knew uh-huh. I went by my first name, which is Allison. And uh-huh. so it's fine. Call me whatever. <laughs> I'll call you Daphne. I'm sorry. I, I knew Daphne when we were back at Green Gulch 20 years ago, so it's been yeah. a while. But anyways, um, yeah, no, it's just like when you're using your nose, you're just you're opening your mind up to a different world, and it's so fucking beautiful. It's your deep animal self is what it is. And you don't even know you're doing it, but you can totally do it in the city. Yes, of course you can. You can do it in any, any place you want. It matters to us because, like, you look at our DNA, like, 2% of our genome is dedicated to our noses, which is a huge investment. It's like, it's like, like, on the order of like 100 times what our eyesight is. Wow. It, that, sense, that sense really matters to us. That means it mattered to us like 10 seconds ago in evolutionary history. It means that it mattered to us for very survival. And so it really matters to us as humans to exercise that part of capacity within ourselves. And oh my God, it feels so good. It's such a wonderfully satisfying thing. It's such a wonderful practice for life. Just using your nose. It's connected with your animal self, your deep self, your old self. That's what that's all it is. Yeah. In other words, just paying more attention to what am I smelling? Like just yes, exactly. your attention. It, put, it puts you in the immediate moment. It puts you in the, the here now. It just um it just puts you here now. It does it. It puts you right here now. Like you're right in the immediate moment, smelling the plants. And you're there. You're there. If you're walking in the park, you should pick the leaves off the trees and just smell them, just see what they're like. Just smell them. Because it's so marvelous. They have so much to give you. New York has wonderful smells at this time of year. Like, I love the smells in the early winter. It's so wonderful there. So you can live in the middle of the city and have a, that same kind of experience, the animal experience of, of being deep with your animal self. And How did starting, like, being out in the woods, starting to use your nose, where did that go from that to, I know you started with making soap. Mm-hmm. Where, what inspired you to start making soap i wanted to make something that would bring that experience to the outdoors in people's daily lives like i was having so such beautiful times down at big sur and see in the sierra nevada and again for me it was about it was about that whole like um emotional health thing like it was like it was saving me for myself it was being on the mountains was saving me for myself and my sadness it was making me feel whole and normal again so it was beautiful that way and it's just having such deep spiritual connection with nature so it wasn't like nature was something i liked it's something i needed i needed deeply in my soul and so being out there in the mountains just did it for me. I had to do it. Like I was like, driven by it. And then I wanted to share that with people. I wanted to get like when I thought about my career and what I should do for money and stuff. I just wanted to share that with people because after I got a Green Gulch, I went up to Michael Moore School in Bisbee, Arizona for six months. And then I was on my own. I was, I was free. I was on my own. So I, I had to make money somehow. So I, I started looking at ways of making money using my newly found skills of just like being out there in the woods and all that stuff. And I thought about things like farming and things like that. But in the end, I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to interact with nature. So I wanted to do and then give and share the experience with people. It's amazing. I think what's interesting too about that, even though you did go to therapy to kind of see, okay, this is what an emotionally stable person does. It was really the therapy that was most effective. It sounds like was in mm-hmm. nature, where you didn't actually have to. Right figure everything out and know the why and know like go deep into the stories. You just needed to be out in nature. It's so true. It saved me. It just totally saved me. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, like I'm, I'm like the 
you know, most recent per- person in a long line of people who've, who've experienced nature this way. And nature saved my ass. It did it save me over and over again. I don't know what to say about it. Like, it's so beautiful that way. Like, it's so simple and beautiful. Like, you spend time on the trail and it saves you. And and I'm like, everyone knows this, like, from Thoreau to the a million nameless people who wanted the PCT every day, you know? Nature saves us. We all know that. It saves us every time. And it's so beautiful that way. Because it, it's, it's nothing to do with us or our minds or anything. It's just interacting with a deep part of ourselves or animal nature. Because we evolved with those plants. We evolved with the whole thing. Yeah. So you feel like you're in nature. You want to take nature and make something from it that can provide you with the finances mm-hmm. that you can survive. That's um, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you start with soap. Well, I saw the whole world as businesses because my dad ran, like when I was a kid, he's talking business about business with my dad, the way that most kids talk about baseball with their dad, you know, that's what we talked about. So we talk about business. So I understood business. And so when I started my business, yeah, it makes sense to me. Like that's, that's what I was going to do is going to start my own thing. Like it just made sense. And so I started this crazy fucking business of Juniper Ridge, like with, with the Big Sur soap. I remember the first time I used that soap in the, in the bathtub, I cried because I was like, oh my God, it smells just like Big Sur. And it just brought these tears to my eyes because I was like, I made something really authentic. Like it was just dripping with these coastal sages and it was so beautiful and, and dark purple and so beautiful. And I just, I loved it so much. I was just so in love with what I was doing. I was like, oh my God, I, if, if I had, if I were able to buy this, I'd pay anything for this experience because it made me so happy. I sat there in that tub at the house on Stewart Street, my, my ex-wife's uh, old house on Stewart Street. And I just like, I cried in that tub because I was so happy with it. I was so beautiful. I just had them drink a beer and smelled the air outside. The air was crisp and fall-like. And I smelled the air and I just like, I just smelled that soap. It was just like so beautiful. So that was the first thing I ever made was that, that soap. Yeah, that's the first thing I ever made. I love that story because you, what you didn't talk about was, okay, so I went out there and I asked like all potential customers what they wanted and how to do it. It was No, I don't care about that. No, I never right. care about that ever. Right. I never did that. I never did like any kind of like, like fucking like business stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know how to start a business. And, and I paid for the price for it over and over again. I did. It was really difficult. Like I lost tons of money and like just made all sorts of mistakes, but I didn't care. I just like make something beautiful. And I knew if I made something beautiful, eventually it'd work out. And mm-hmm. it did finally in the end. <laughs> took a long time to yeah. get there, but it did finally. Okay. We yeah. have a, a bunch of different paths to go okay. down here, but when you started, you know, one of the things that you said was the biggest, you took like the biggest risk you could possibly take when starting your business was using centuries old perfuming techniques to make your product. Right. Right. Why Which, was that such a big risk? It was just a, a, a ignorance at the time. Like I didn't understand that there's all this like synthetic stuff out there. I understand why stuff t- t- smells so fake. Like I think it smells fake to me out there. Like all the stuff in the Target shelves smells fake to me. All the candles and stuff they smell fake, yeah. and they're fake because they're just manipulated petroleum. Like it's just petroleum molecules that have been manipulated into smelling something like nature, like maybe a little bit like fur or something, but don't really smell like it. It's like it's like a it's like a weird like fast food version of what nature is. It's awful. But anyways, I didn't know about all that stuff. All I knew was that I wanted to get the real thing. And the only way to get black sage into a soap was to use a real plant. So I was using blenders and essential oil distillation, all that stuff to, to do the whole thing. But it was totally different back then because I was trying to, trying to figure out how to make the whole thing work. And I'm sorry, what was your question specifically? Why it was such a big risk to use these century old techniques? Oh, it was a risk because it's a lot of money. It's, it's just incredibly expensive to, to do those whole techniques. And so our money is in the products themselves. You know, like the old the the old model, the synthetic perfume model is is Brad Pitt on the billboard. All your money's in like the marketing shit. Like it's a Coca Cola model. Like all your money's in the marketing. None of it's in the juice. Mm-hmm. Our money's in the juice always. Our, our money's always in the juice. It goes into the products. So if it goes into soap or incense or whatever, it's like our money's in there. It's in the product itself. 
because it's expensive as crud. So when I was like <laughs> learning, when I was learning how to make that big extra soap, it cost me a fortune to make those things because it probably costs more than I'm selling them for because yeah. you know it's, it's costing me like ten bucks to make them and five bucks to sell them or something like that. And yeah. I just I was losing money on everything I made. So that, that that was really the risk. The risk was that the whole thing, money. I'm so curious how you kept going when you're making soap and yep. it's costing you almost twice as much to make it as it is to sell it. Like for most people, they'd be like, this is insane. As much right, as sure, right. I, I got to that point. I got to that point where I was losing tons of money and I was just like burning a hole in the ground. I was like, fuck, what am I doing? Why, why am I screwing my whole life? Like I got this baby. I had a baby at that point. Like Jane was born and I was like, what am I doing with my life that I'm like so deeply in debt and so far behind in money that it's not working? And so I, I stopped. I wanted to like hit the Pacific Crest Trail. I wanted to like leave for just like years at a time. I just wanted to go away. But instead, I rejiggered the business. So I started selling things at a higher price point. I started charging what they're really worth. And that changed everything for us. It really did change everything. How? Because we started making money and stuff. It became the margins. Like we started making money at the things we're making. So it changed everything. So like and people responded like it was no big deal when you raised the prices. What oh no, they they no our customers hate us for it. They hate us for it. They just couldn't stand it. But so we had to do it. it. Didn't matter. We had to do it. We lost our old customers because they were at a certain price point and they wanted cheap stuff. We used to sell for five bucks and we sold them for twelve or something. And we used to, we sold them for thirty for a while. I mean, we just raised the price significantly, like way up, way up. We had to do it. We had to do it. It's the only way out. Were you scared only... to raise the prices? Of course, of course, I was scared. Yeah, but we had. It didn't matter. We had to do it. I was always kept my eye on that beautiful thing. I wanted to make things beautiful as I could. And I wasn't going to compromise there, so it didn't matter. I had to raise the prices. What I had to do. All of our effort and love goes in there. Like we're out there in the woods, harvesting the plants, doing the whole thing from beginning to end. This, that's a crazy business model. There's no way that's going to work at a cheap price. You can't compete compete on a commodity level with that stuff. So that was like the big change for me. Was like figure out how to get out there and and become the company that we're going to become what's amazing you've been going for 14 years at this point i know it's true it's true right 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 and i lost a ton of money gone deeply in debt and i was so my wits in now daphne i was so my wits in i was just like dying i was just like unbelievably dying it's so hard it was so hard like i was so in debt i thought i was gonna like just live in debt forever now i see that i can get out of it it's just fine but it was hard at the time. It's so hard because like at the time it just seemed like I was going to be dead forever and I was going to owe money to people forever. And I was never going to make it right as they're going to make it work. And it, it all makes sense now because like, I got stuck in that trough of like a million to $2 million in sales mm-hmm. and it wasn't quite there yet. It wasn't quite there yet business wise yet. It wasn't working yet where, where we could get to that really critical mass where we can make some real money. And so we weren't there yet. It makes sense. It all make, the whole thing makes sense looking back on it, but it was so hard at the time. So hard. And what it came down to was really charging what it was worth. Like that was yeah. the difference. Right. Yeah, exactly right. That's the difference. Yeah. It's all, it's everything really. And I think what's important about that, there's a couple things that are important. One, uh-huh. you started to charge what it was worth, which I think is just an important message, period. Oh my God. It's so true. I see that problem with entrepreneurs all the time. They're always undercharging for this stuff. Always. Like it's a chronic thing with entrepreneurs that we don't quite believe in ourselves. Right. We don't pay for what, what it's worth and what it's worth is what it is. You know, it's what it costs. Like the rules of economics will out in the end. They'll, they'll beat you up and, and they'll, they'll enforce themselves in the end. They will. But to have that confidence, I mean, in your case, it wasn't even necessarily confidence. It was like, we're uh-huh. going to go bust if we don't raise the price. Oh yeah. I was going to, I was so on my way to bankruptcy. Yeah. Which is why, which is why I wanted to run away from the whole thing. I wanted to like hit the trail and just like run away from everything. I just want to leave. So but what was it that had you not just run away? Run away. <laughs> Well, it was, it was my kid, Jane, of course, and my ex-wife, Laura, and I just had a life there. I had to like figure out, so I had to like make it work. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't just run away and do it. 
the other thing that is important in what in what you shared is not only did you start to charge what it was worth, but right. the people are out there. Juniper Ridge is thriving now, right? I mean, that's my understanding. It's oh like, my God, we're doing so well now. It's incredible. It's incredible to have what's happening. It's just amazing what's happening. Just amazing. It's incredible. Okay. Everything like good. That is huge because you like rose up to what was needed, which was to charge what it was worth. And now uh-huh. after 14 years of it not thriving, it's been thriving for the last several years. And Right. It took all the time to get there and to figure out the business model. I was, I was working on the business model is what I was doing. Because all things, all things um, conform to, to economics the way that, that physical things conform to Newtonian physics. Like it just is the way things are. There's no way around it. Like there's no way to get around it. You have to conform to the laws of finance and money and they will win in the end. So you've got to conform to it. So everything comes down to margins and all those things. I remember when I first started my business, I met with Dave Smith at Smith and Hawken mm-hmm. and he sat me down and he said, I have three things to tell you, margin, margin, margin. He said three, that, he said that three times. And he's so fucking right, Daphne. I, I, I ignored what he said. I, I thought in my head, I thought, well, he's full of shit. Like my stuff's different. I'm going to invent a complete new kind of business here. It doesn't matter. Margins don't matter. Margins are everything. They make everything in business work. So you've got to pay attention to the money side. And it's hard. I have so much sympathy for entrepreneurs because you're you're like you're an individual person. You're not a band. Like you're not a bunch of people. You're just an individual person. So you may have skills in one area, but not in another. You may not be good with money. Lots of entrepreneurs aren't good with money. I'm not. You know, I don't. I don't know. I know very few entrepreneurs are good with money naturally. So it's a hard. I did learn. I did learn. Yeah, I had to. I was forced into it. Right. Did that change a sen- your sense of yourself as you learned that? It, it did. My business has challenged me in so many ways, so many beautiful ways to make me grow and change as a person that um, it's just another example of that, like where it's forced me to grow and change as a person. Like it also forced me to grow in social ways because I had to be a boss to people. I had to deal with different personalities. Deal with, I've got a dozen employees now, so I'm dealing with a lot of different personalities now. I've got to deal with them all. You know, I've, got to, I've got to deal with the whole scenario. So my business has forced me to change in so many ways. It's really beautiful that way. And again, it's hard because it's like we only have so many skills in life and we're so, only, only so many things we're good at. And my business has forced me to like grow up in so many different directions. It's like, wow, I know about money now. I know about social things. I know about all these different things I didn't know about before. Well, one of the things that you had said was it's hard for me to stay plugged in and be the boss man running the biz. On one hand, it gives our employees the latitude to be creative and entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. On the other yep. hand, I've let things go too far astray and it's really hurt the business. But it sounds like that's not the case anymore. Like, do you feel that you've embraced being the boss man? I have. I enjoy it. I like it a lot. And I've got the right groove going now. I've got the right groove going with the business. I know what to do. Like I know how to make things work. So I know how to make it home. Did you have to change the way you saw yourself in order to be the person who is running multi-million you know I don't oh oh yeah of course yeah because you, you're like you, you know we start from business you're just like a person like just doing your thing you think you're like cool and everything's groovy and people like you and stuff and then say you're a boss you're like fuck i'm a boss i'm the man and people don't like you all suddenly and things change suddenly and there's a power there's a fundamental power differential between bosses and employees it's always there and of course of course i ran into that whole thing like changing my idea myself of course i did and i had to i had to do it to grow up and become a good boss and i love being a boss i love being supported by employees i love I love giving them the love they need and support they need and the workplace should be a beautiful place and you can make it beautiful as a boss. Like we're able to invent everything from scratch here, everything new, like June bridge. And that's really fun. It's a really fun thing to be able to start from scratch. Like I'm thinking about um, making this meditation thing. We're all going to meditate as a company together. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, a, it's something that is done in the, in the wine industry. Some of some wine companies that do it like dry Creek farms does this whole practice of having meditation mm-hmm. for half hour a day. 
I think that's fucking beautiful. I love it. I, I the temple's wide open. You can do whatever you want with the business. You can do whatever you want. I make it beautiful like that. I do. When you talk about like you can do whatever you want, uh huh. That how do you find the balance with that? Because it feels like if you can go wherever you want to go, right? You can you can ruin things, right? Sure, right. absolutely, right, right. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. It's so hard. Like, you're always finding the balance by just like checking out money things. Like, it comes out of the money. That's what it is. Like, you can't just crash and burn. You but you, some of those things pay off. Like, we started a four day work week thing, and yeah. that really worked out for us because my employees, I noticed, were really dedicated and into things and on it. And I was like, we can do this with four days instead of five days. It's great. Like, if they take three days off every weekend and they come back all energized and into it and they're they're productive as shit, then it's working out for me too. So that worked out fine. Like I pay them as much as five days, but they work four days and they only work eight hours a day. So they're working like 35 hours a week, maybe 32 hours a week. That That's kind of thing. great. It's so cool because what you're doing is saying, this is maybe how it's been done. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean. It, it doesn't mean. It has, no, it doesn't have to be that way at all. No, it doesn't. It means that generally like that way it works for business. It works for, for money to do it that way. So that you should pay attention to that part. However, however you can do it any way you want. Like we're, we're, we, we, I mean, that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing about capitalism and the, and the American system is that you can do anything you want. You can make it any way you want and you can try anything and some things are going to stick and other things aren't. And so just give it a shot. It's so beautiful that way. I love it so much. It's like, it's like, it's another example of me letting my hippie freak self wander and find its own way because we can, we can run our business the way we want and set up the temple the way we want and do everything the way we want. And it's beautiful that way. We have the total freedom to do anything we want. It's mm. really fun. Well, okay, going back to the money for one second, you had said yep. uh, money is just something that comes and goes in life, and it seems the less I pay attention to it and the more I just focus on the beautiful thing, the more gets thrown at me. I don't want mm-hmm. but yep. having fun and working with people I respect and love. That's it. That's my business plan these days. <laughs> so is that it? That's your business plan? It is so true. So you find that the more you focus on – well, for you, when you say the beautiful thing, what would that be? Is that the creation of the product? The beautiful thing is the product itself, the, the stuff in this product. Like making it beautiful as can be and really connecting people to that place is what we always come back to. Like over and over again, like our business, I feel so retarded this way because it's so simple our business. It's so simple, Bethany. It's so simple. We're just like giving people those places and bottles. It's so simple. And we, as long as we keep it true to the place, then it's, then it's real. It's going to sing to them. That's the whole premise of the business is that if we make it real, it's going to sing to them. And yes, that's, that's focusing on the beautiful. It's focusing on those places. Folks, I'm making the products as beautiful as they can be and sing those places as much as they can. And as we get bigger, we have more opportunity to do this because we have more money to throw the problem and figure out how to like get the right aromatics in there, the right resins, everything in there. And we can do, we just keep getting better, better. How does the state of the world, like the environment, how does that factor into your work? In how does the state, the environment? Like, pa- mm-hmm. So in terms of climate change, in terms of everything that's going on, is that a piece of the work at Juniper Ridge? Or? It's it's not really changing our world. It, one thing that's happening a lot is that the Forest Service is staying out for us because they're taking out the smaller trees that carry the fire to the canopy. So we, we go and pick up these piles. Of sl- they're called slash piles. They, they leave their garbage on the ground. They burn it and dump it in the atmosphere, and we come pick it up and turn it into aromatics. So that part is definitely exciting. That's an exciting thing of going, but that's the only way I can think of that really affects us in that way. Like... I mean, the, the, the temperate rainforest of the, the north is not going to go anywhere. Even with climate change, it's not going to disappear because it's just too big. It extends from Big Sur to Alaska, and it's huge. And I don't think it's going anywhere. And I think that, ironically, as the climate changes and things change, people become more on their phones and all that stuff. Like, they get more into nature. Like, they get more into, like, those moments where they can quiet down and really tap into their animal selves. 
and that's what June Bridge is there for. And that's a beautiful opportunity. It's a beautiful thing. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about climate change. Like I, I mean, I can't stand what's happening. Of course, I can't stand. It. It's awful. And I think, ironically, it's playing into our business to have it be this way. But it's an awful thing that's happening. It's just awful. I can't stand it. Yeah. But you think like the more we are on our phones, the more we're in the world of the online and, and right, right, uh-huh. right, the more uh-huh. we feel compelled to then get off of them and be more in nature. Yes, right, exactly, right, right. And people are willing to pay for this thing. Like that's what Juniper is working now. I think is because people are willing to pay for that experience of connecting with Big Sur or Sierra Nevada or Cascades or just getting deep in the place. They want it to be deep in place. So it makes sense. Like the whole thing makes sense to me, but at the same time, like, ooh, yuck. Like it's awful that, that it's taking climate change and our whole world, like getting messed up to to happen, but it is happening. It is. Oh, going back for a second to Gary Snyder, like you mentioned, uh-huh. as far as, and that, will you say that quote one more time? Actually, it's so beautiful about the wild. That's, that's from practice of the wild. And, and he said something to the effect, I don't remember exactly what the quote is, but he says in the fact that when we wander off the path of who we're supposed to be, we become who we really are. It's about wandering off the path, about taking your taking your time and like going off into your own thing. Like it's a beautiful quote because it's like like what are we, what are we doing? Wander off the path. Like when I wander off the path, I start like poking around the corners and looking for mushrooms here and different plants there, and I find the coolest shit. I'm off the trail. I love it so much. Being off the trail is like is like hiking to me. It's what it is, and I love it so much. And Mount Tam is where I do it mostly. I can never get enough of it, but it's all about like finding your own way, and it's metaphorical for life too because you're like you're wandering in life, like you're finding your way in life. So it's the same thing there. Yeah. And so is it for you, was there any piece, like we talk a lot about uh, intuition versus what we're told and taught. Does, would you call any of this intuition? Is it like, Oh yes, definitely. I, I would call it intuition. Like the creative source of it. Yes. Intuition. Yeah. You're following your nose. You're following your animal senses and the animal senses are telling you that they're mushrooms over here. Lots of talkies there, chanterelles there. Your animal senses are telling you those things, and you just follow your intuition and follow your nose, and you end up in those beautiful places you can imagine because of it. Or the most awful places, too. Like you, you can end up being reduced, like crawling through the manzanita for hours, and just like it's awful. But both things happen, and there's, it's spectacular. You never forget those days ever. You never forget those days when you want off trail. It's so beautiful that way. And my whole life has been off trail. Like my whole life has metaphorically been off trail because I've been wandering my entire life. So. It's it's just really beautiful. Like I found the most beautiful things and the most appalling things ever wandering off trail, and I love it all. Did it develop like as a result of spending so much of your life, metaphorically and literally, wandering off the trail? Do you feel that it developed a deeper sense of trust in just the way things are? It you have to trust. Like that, that's all we have. Like we have no control of this world. We have no control of what's happening. None of us do. Even those powerful person, even like a you know president of the United States or whatever, it has no control of the world. No one has any control of the world. So we have to trust in what is, and that it'll take care of us and love us. And that's all we have. And the earth does love us. It's a thing. It does love us. It doesn't even think about us, but it loves us. It holds us in its arms, and it just—it's like it's there for us. Like, like I don't know. When I really relax, I'm out in the woods, and I'm like wandering around. Like I just feel a sense, overwhelming sense of being loved. And it's not that the world cares about me. It's just that I'm being held there, I'm being held by nature itself. Yeah, it's a good I, feeling. I understand that. This ties back to Gary Snyder again because a quote that I mm-hmm. had that you had quoted him was "Find mm-hmm. your place on the planet, dig in, take responsibility." Take sure, mm-hmm. I love that. Can you, yeah, speak to speak to what that means to 
Means find your place on the planet, dig in, take responsibility from there. It says it all. It says everything. Like that's his like that's his war cry for bioregionalism. He's saying like find your place where you belong, and he found his place in the Sierra Nevada. Of course, he lives in in North San Juan, north of this, the um, Nevada City area, and it's such a beautiful area. Oh my God, he lives in a spectacular area back there. But he found his place there. He found his place. Like that's where he belongs. He grew up in, in the Northwest, like I did, in San Francisco for the Beat Generation stuff in the fifties, and then he ended up in the Sierra Nevada. That's where he ended up. And we all find our places in this world. So find your place on the planet means like find your place, like find your place where you belong. Not just any place. Like we can't just be placeless. Like here in Los Angeles, I think of that because we're driving around our cars and you know, like going past these fast food joints. Stuff. Like, there's no place here. Like there's some, sometimes no place, but we're surrounded by place here. Like there's nothing but place here. Like those big mountains, like the San Gregorios and San Bernardinos and, and the San, San Gabriels and San Jacinto and stuff. Like it's amazing. It's just incredible. It's here. Just amazing. It's here. And it's all here. There's such deep place here. So if you're going to be in LA, be deep in LA, be deep in it. Like find out about those mountains, find out about the plants that grow there. Find like plants is a wonderful shortcut into getting the place. So smelling the dirt, smelling the dirt is a wonderful shortcut into getting the place. Just a wonderful shortcut. It's all there for us. It, it reminds me of when I, of uh, being at Green Gulch and one of the teachers there saying, to me, mm-hmm. you know, you can dabble in as many things as you want, but at some point, you want to pick one thing and just go deep with that. Go one. deep, right? It's such a good, it's all we have time to do. Our lives are so short. We can dabble a number of things, but our lives are so short. So yeah, find your place on the planet, dig in. Dig in means like digging in, like you dig in the plants. You, you dig in the place, like you're digging in the place. Like I'm so deeply in the West Coast. I'm so deeply belong here. And I love this place so much. And I always understand where I am from the plants and everything around me. I understand where I am. And it's so beautiful that way. And then you take responsibility for that. It just means action. Like you take action from your place of power, which is your place that you've dug into. You take responsibility from there. You start taking action. You start protecting that place, which is what I do. Like I'm out there like defending wilderness and defending places all the time. I was forged in the world of 90s wilderness conservation stuff in the earth first world, like headwaters forest and all that stuff. That's the world I came from. Like the world I was forged in. So I'm always about like taking responsibility for the place, like take responsibility for the place, the thing that you love and protect the fuck out of it, protect with everything you've got because it, someone's got to protect it. Like they don't, they just don't protect itself, right? We're, we're the monkeys that are tending the earth now and we're tending it like a garden and we've got to protect the places that matter to us. We've got to protect it. Okay. One of the ways I know with Jennifer Ridge that you mm-hmm. protect it is the way that you harvest and create the product like you do it sustainably of course you do yeah right 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 yeah so what does it mean what's the difference between because this is something i really know very little about if i go into the store and Mm -hmm. i see a bottle of say essential oil that's made whatever some big company versus the the essential oil that you guys make what is the difference the difference is that we're, well, we're paying attention, of course, to the plants and taking care of them as we harvest them. Like the whole thing about sustainable harvesting is you've got to take care of the plants, right? You've got to take care of the places you harvest from. Like I would never go in and like just be awful at the place because it, it's not, I can't do it. My soul, I can't do it. It's not about that. Fortunately, the plants we work with grow in large numbers in the temperate rainforest, like Douglas fir and spruce and redwood, all those things. Like there's just enormous amounts of those trees, just endless amounts of those trees. So they're everywhere, of course. So they're easy to harvest sustainably. Or pruning on the outside, we're not ever killing a plant. We're just pruning on the outside of it. But the difference really is like in terms of the quality is like, we just like, we fucking care. I don't know what else to say about it. Like the stuff that comes from India, like the patchouli and stuff, they're, they're, they're distilling in painted stills. And there's someone who's got paint in there and stuff. And I don't know, it's just that same kind of quality thing going as we have going. Like we're, we're really thinking about the plants and the place and we're putting love into it. We're putting our hearts and souls in that thing. Mm. So it comes down to. 
So what do you do? Like here you are, you know, you find your place, dig in, mm-hmm. take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when you have those times where you're like, okay, I'm doing that. And I'm not feeling sure about the next thing, or I'm feeling scared or I'm, like, how do you stay in that place? Like how, what keeps you there when you're scared? Doubting myself. Oh God. I, I, that so much. Else. I've doubted myself so many times, just so many times. Um, I don't know what to say about that. Like it's, it's mostly about like coming back to the basics of the business and like spending time in nature. Like it's always about spending time in nature for me. Like if I, if I can just get out there on the trail and spend some time in nature, I'll be okay because I'll understand what I need to do. It'll all kind of digest down through me. If I just go on the PCT or go in the Mojave desert for a week or something and just get deep into place, then it'll all come back to me. It'll all come rushing back to me what I need to do here. Like it's so simple. What I need to do. I always need to come back to, Delivering those places to people. That's all I need to do. So all I need to do is deliver the places to people. That's why all my answers are right there. So that's all. It's, it's my guiding light in life. It's my I source of creativity that. and everything, right? I love that because the other thing about that is it's not like, okay, I'm not really sure. So I'm just going to keep climbing forward and I'm just going right. to keep going right. Because actually, right. no, yeah. I need right. to yeah. go off into nature and then the answer right. will be there. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's right. That's exactly right. So my muse is everything to me, right? It's all there. It's all. It's all there. Like, oh, my answer's always there. It's always been there my whole life. Like, I always run to nature is because my answer's always been there. Of what I'm supposed to do with my life, what I'm supposed to be, who I'm supposed to, who I'm supposed to be, where I'm supposed to go. All those answers are sitting there in the mountains for us. We just have to spend our time out there to, to, to understand them. And so it's always been for me, at least. It's always right. been like for me. Right. Like, for someone might not have it. It might not be the mountains for somebody, but it's that willingness right. to go wherever mm-hmm. that is. And right, sure. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It could be if you're in the city, it could be like in the Central Park or something. It could be like that. Exactly, right? It's so true. It's so true. Okay. One of the things that you said in the talk, which I thought was great because uh-huh. you're, you're presenting yourself, you're the head of this business and it's a successful business. And you're, one of the things you say is listen, nobody knows what they're doing, nobody <laughs> has it figured out. And I, I think it's so true. It's so true, yeah. right? It's literally like some of things you realize when you get older, like, like that, that there's no one is in charge. My friends now are my friends from high school are now like 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 pillars of society in Portland. They're like and the principals and dentists and all these like real estate people and stuff like that. Like they're like pillars of society in Portland. And like those people are full of shit. I know those people's brains and they're just they're just like me. They're stupid like me. They're right. still like me. And that's fine. That's why all people we're all monkeys like going around faking things. I think that Barack Obama put on his clothes every day and looked in the mirror and said, I'm the president today. And he's just like trying to be his president. He's trying to be his monkeyish president self best. That's all we can do is like just do our best to be like these different versions of what we're supposed to be, but no one's in control. No one knows what they're doing. And it's so true. It's the truest thing I know. Yeah. That's one thing actually that inspires me with the podcast and with the work that Uh I do because I feel like, oh my gosh, we really can give up this (laughs) thing about pretending like we know it. Right. Right. Sure. Right. I mean, we don't. No one fucking knows. Yeah. No one knows. Definitely. No one knows. It's so true. (laughs) I yeah. caught my first glimpse of that at Green Gulch, actually. I caught my first glimpse of that whole thing at Green Gulch. I always thought when I was a kid that there were these older folks who were in control. They knew what they were doing. They understood things. And then I realized at Green Gulch, I was like, oh, my God, wait. No, no one knows what they're doing. No one knows. No one's in control of things. And that's, it's, 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 it sounds scary, but it's also liberating. It's incredibly liberating because it means you can do anything. With the short lives, you can do whatever you want. You, know, you can let your light shine whatever direction you want. It's a beautiful thing, really, in the end. Right. And that's, that's important too, because you can go to, you can tell yourself, Oh, so the people right. made the rules, they didn't right. know what they were doing. Right. Totally. Yes. 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 Wildly questions of the rules. And, right, right. and that's what you said. Like you have a, you said 
that you've been rewarded for being like, as you say, fuck tradition, who cares what you're supposed to do? Just try it. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. Exactly. Right. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. It did work out for me. I I got lucky, but yes, it did work out for me. Yes. Right. I don't think it's luck. Like you worked really, really hard and you have. I did. I so did that. I so did Daphne. I so did. So true. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been totally dedicated to, as you say, bring the places to the people. Like it's mm-hmm. clear and it's what you're passionate about and it's what you're dedicated yep. to. That's what I care about. Right. It's true. It's love, right? Yeah. Yep. We're the motiv- motivated by many love and life. I've always, always been motivated by love. Always, every time. Every time. Love's always my motivation. Every time. Yeah. So, okay. Say a few words about that then. Like if you're, how would love as a motivator direct a decision for you? Oh, it just means like sinking deep into myself, like, like t- touching, getting in touch with that passion is everything to me because it directs my life, it directs everything I am. So it's, it's like you're asking about how I find my direction when I'm, when I'm down and out and, and it's finding that passion. It's like tapping that passion is everything. And that passion comes from nature. It comes from being outdoors. So it's all in peace. I had a, a question actually towards Maybe where you're headed, I don't know. Uh-huh. But yeah. you said in an interview with this one I have written down was from Van. Uh-huh. My dreams are not about getting bigger and bigger. I dream about getting smaller and more specific. Right. That still hold true? It's so true. It's what I love. I love getting smaller. I love getting more specific. I love getting more beautiful and specific with nature. For me, getting smaller means about the products. It means it's always about the products for me. It's always about the things that we're making. So for me, that means making things that are more specific to place. You know, like get, getting into that place that day, that trail, like Mount Tam in the wintertime, not just Mount Tam in general or the Redwood Country in general, but Mount Tam in the wintertime on that day, that place, that trail. Oh my God, that's beautiful. Like if we can bring out the Dipsy Trail or the, or the Matt Davis Trail, in the wintertime on Mount Tam, like one day, that's so beautiful. Like just so specific and beautiful. Yeah. So for me, it's always that, that's always my fancy. It's always what I'm moving towards. It's the ideal I'm moving towards is making it more beautiful, more specific, more that place that day, the trail. And you keep doing that. Like as your business grows, how do you get smaller? Okay. Well, there's two different sides. So there's the, there's the product side, which is like the Redwood Mist and the, and the Cascade Forest and all those products. And then there's the side of like field lab stuff, which is my dream side, which is my dream. Field lab is just like that place that day, the trail. It's very specific. And, and we make stuff out of the back of the van. We travel around in our van. We make stuff out of the back of the van. So it's like very specific. So that, that's, how I, that's how I keep it there. That's how I keep that dream alive. Like at this point, when you think big and you have your dreams, what are your dreams going forward? My dreams going forward are to make it more beautiful, like to just get more beautiful and into the places and just like let those places sing, release them into the products, like so that the perfumes are just singing those places. Because I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than that. Like when we actually get it right and we like get the mosses and the fungus and the, the dirt and the conifers and everything in there, oh my God, it's just so beautiful. It's so overwhelmingly beautiful. I love it so much. That's, that, that's, my, that's my dream is to get more into that stuff, like to get better at making the specific experiences of nature and going deeper with it, just like going deeper and deeper because that's where the beauty is for me. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up. So I'll ask you a final question in a minute, but first two things. One, okay. to learn for folks listening to learn about, like to see all these beautiful products that mm-hmm. yep. you're hearing about for so long. You can go to juniperridge.com. And that's going to be in the show notes too. And you can also go to Instagram. It's at Juniper Ridge, but, and it's a beautiful feed. So it's like that. Thank you, Allison. Thank you. Yeah. Well. yeah. And 
then I have a gratitude and my gratitude for you is really easy, which is it's, I am so grateful <laughs> that you, mm-hmm. there's two, like one that you followed your heart into the mountains <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and then that you let it guide you this whole time, even when mm-hmm. you were like in serious debt and you didn't, right, even, right. you stayed on the path of what mattered to you. It's, a, it's the only thing I could do. It's like, it was a choice. It's the only thing I could do. Right, right. I know. And that's what I'm grateful for. I mean, that's what's amazing because it's, we don't all feel that way. Like there's plenty of people in the world where they get off the path of what matters to them. So your right. dedication, even if it does come from the place of it, <laughs> your commitment <clears throat> and to the quality and to really bringing nature into the living room, the bedroom, the wrists, like all these things. It's amazing. And it's amazing your commitment to quality. So I'm just so grateful. Thank you so much, Daphne. Thanks so much. It's so nice to you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, that's a, it's beautiful. And that, so with that and with us talking about Mm -hmm. finding your place and digging and take responsibility and really following your passion, Mm -hmm. what do you, have to offer for somebody who's on the path of feeling like there's something, but they don't know what that is, or they have the idea of what the passion is, but the path is so unclear. They're not sure how to move Hmm. forward. I think you just sink into it deeper is all you can do. All you can do is live your life and sink into it deeper. There's nothing else but sinking into your life and becoming who you are. There's nothing else. So you find the path of yourself. It's the same thing as finding the path of your business and your, your career and everything. Like the same thing. And so what else can you do but just sink into it? It's all you can do. Like you just have to trust. You have to trust it's the right direction and trust yourself. Because when I started doing it, it's like, it's freakish. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I had no idea. And I, I like creating a business from nature. Like that's crazy at the time. It just seemed crazy as fuck. And I can't believe it worked out, but it did. But I had no idea what I was doing. I had no clue. I didn't think about business or anything. I didn't know anything about anything. I was just wandering and trying to find myself and find my place in the world. And I just trusted that it'd be okay. And it worked out okay. Mm. That's so beautiful. So I guess it's about the security of like trusting in, in the world and trusting that you'd be held and loved for whatever you do. That's perfect. That's a perfect place to stop. Thank you so much, Hall. Allison, thank Daphne. Sorry, Daphne, thank you so much. It was really fun. It was really fun. So sorry I keep calling you that. <laughs> it's totally fine. I get it. That's I can see your face and everything, so I just like call you Allison, of course, right? That's what person I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Daphne. Well, it's really fun. Thank you so much. It was really fun participating in your podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm Daphne Cohn, and you've been listening to the Creativity Habit Podcast. For more conversations with brave and experimental artists, and to learn more about the collective, head on over to thecreativityhabit.com. You can follow the Creativity Habit on Instagram, and you can support the podcast and the artists on it by going to iTunes Podcasts and subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. Now to review, you actually have to get on your laptop and subscribe to the podcast. And it does take a few minutes, but the more reviews, the more folks know about all these incredible artists and makers doing such beautiful work in the world. So thank you for taking a little bit of your time to share your thoughts over at iTunes. And then join me next week for another Creativity Habit podcast. Thank you for listening.